We started actually in Acts uh, chapter 2, and we came uh, to, or we, we started in the book of Acts, and we came to chapter 2 uh, where we saw the um, baptism of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And that raises so many questions regarding the gifts of the Spirit and uh, what they are and how they work and how they're to be used in the church that uh, I automatically diverted off to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, and we've read and looked at all the details of chapter 12 and 13, and now we're actually at chapter 14. Um, we had read uh, Pursue Love and Desire Spiritual Gifts, and uh, I pointed out that the word gifts is in italics, because it is added for understanding. It is desire spirituals is what it is intended to say. And it's the idea of uh, being spiritual and having that which is spiritual about your life. So then we went into great explanation about prophecy and tongues being language and the way that the scripture is very specific about the two terms, glossialia and dialecta. And we talked about how today in the church, there's very often what is uh, described as ecstatic utterances or a prayer language. And we specifically examined those things and whether they are contained in the scripture for us to understand uh, the Whole summary, uh, I'll start at verse 4. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied, for he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. So uh, the further explanation of the function within the congregation. And I'm going to do my best to break down a couple of things as we move through this. But there are two elements that Paul very specifically describes. If you knew Greek uh, very uh, fluently, then reading this in Greek tells you of the two different settings very easily. As you read through, you can see he's describing of the gifts in use and function amongst believers versus the gifts and the use in function within a congregational meeting. So the two clarifications are necessary for the church to understand because amongst believers who accept and understand and maybe even have these gifts, Right? And, and, and let's clarify again, Paul told us not everyone would have these gifts. He specifically said that if you're baptized in this spirit, he raises the question, do all prophesy? And we talked about, again, the Greek language, how the rhetorical question asked in the negative is always answered in the negative voice of no. Do, do all speak in tongues? The answer is no. So it's improper for anyone to say that if you're baptized in the Spirit, then you must speak in tongues. Okay, Many do. I do. Some do not. 
there, there is two things that will be undeniably in the life of the believer who is baptized in the Holy Spirit, without question. Again, they will love the Lord their God with all of their heart, soul, and mind. And because of that deep, rich relationship, they will love their neighbor as themselves. Uh, so the fulfillment of God in their lives will absolutely, without question, uh, will they prophesy? Will they speak in tongues? Will they have the gift of healing? That's entirely up to the Lord, right? We, we've talked about how it's the Lord who imparts the gift, not the person who receives it, right? Uh, we talked about all the practical examples of, of when someone desires a gift in an earthly sense. It can be very annoying when someone gives them a gift and it's something other than what they wanted and now they're complaining and jealous of others who have the gift they you got that gift why can't i have that bicycle you know and and you act like a spoiled rotten child okay uh, look the lord's intentions are what we need to bow to okay and no, nobody you know automatically jumps to the front as we talked about when we see the list of the gifts there that have the gift of helps like, why isn't that the first one where, you know, people just want to help, you know, help sweep, help mop, help vacuum, help empty trash. You know, they would much rather have a gift that they could be recognized by the entire church for, you know, the gift of showing up on an odd day of the week when no one's around to just clean. You know, these are things that literally the scripture says. The motivation needs to be the church, not self, not self-importance and self-recognition. So uh, within this setting, as he's speaking about the necessities of the gifts and the things that will come, uh, he talks about uh, in verse 5, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesy. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with the tongue, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive Edification, building up, is, is what's being uh, said there. We talked about how uh, those who have uh, the gift of prophecy, verse 3, right? Edification, exhortation, and comfort will always be how the Spirit ministers to the church. Now, the Spirit, through a prophet, may say to the world, the unbelieving world, something harsh, condemning, corrective within the body of Christ, edification, building up, exhortation, explanation, you know, understanding, knowledge, comfort, you know, the cheering up, all in the positive sense of how prophecy works in the body of Christ. Uh, for if we prophesy, for he who prophesies is greater he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets the church, may receive edification. Verse 6, But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you uh, either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophecy, or by teaching? Even things without life, whether flute or harp, when they make a sound, Unless they make a distinction in the sounds, how will it be known what is piped or played? So this comes down to uh, what's being said regarding that idea of prayer language or 
ecstatic utterance, neither of which do we see in the scripture. Uh, we see tongues specifically mentioned on several occasions, and it's always language, it's always dialecta, it's always understandable in uh, interpretation. The person who just speaks something that's nonsensical, uh, the church is left to say, well, you know, how do I understand? How do I know what's being said to me? And specifically, uh, would we all agree that we're in the middle of a war between heaven and hell, between good and evil? So, so within this, the sound to be piped or played, he's going to go on either further of how the things that need to be communicated to the church need to give clear direction, right? Because if the tongue spoken is not interpreted with clear direction, then it's just an inconsequential sound. It's, it's self-gratification. Let's say it's even uh, you know, a person filled with the Holy Spirit, and let's say that what they're you know, being spoken uh, is actually the gift of speaking in tongues. I doubt a lot of that, uh, but let's say that it is. If nothing is delivered to the church that gives direction and understanding, then what's the usefulness to the church? And this is what Paul is saying. That within the church, when someone speaks, it needs to be so that it brings edification to the church. Otherwise, it's just uh, self-gratification. Yeah, look, I have the, the gift of tongues, and now I'm speaking in the gift of tongues, and it really doesn't matter to me that none of you are being blessed by it. You know, my, my likening, right, as he says earlier, you know, though I speak with the tongue of men and of angels but have not love, I'm becoming a resounding brass or clanging cymbal. And I I gave the illustration of my grandson just sitting in the middle of the kitchen floor with a wooden spoon and the copper bottom kettle, and he's banging away. And at first, it was enjoyable for all of us. It was really cute. It's just a little guy, and he's figured out how to make that noise. And then when he sees we're all blessed by it, well, now he's not going to stop. And boy, you know. Ten minutes later, he has no love for anybody else in the room but himself, you know. It's just self-gratification. Just more cowbell, one note, just clang, 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 clang. And, and, and you know, and now try to argue with the kid about how i got to take that away from you. Oh, hey, you know, and now you got a big fight. The church, you know, gratifying itself with a noise that doesn't edify the church. Right, so, so that being set out as premise, let's move forward and see what uh, Paul has to say here. Even things without life, whether flute or harp, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sound, how will it be known what is piped or played? Uh, good illustration. Have you ever seen a high school band? Right? You know, when they first get together and somebody stuffs a, a flute or a recorder in their hand and says, have at it, you know, and everybody's all over the place. And my goodness. Those poor music teachers, they just really, you know, you're exiting as quickly as you can. Why? No direction. Everybody's just cross-firing all over the place. Nobody's playing right notes. Nobody's in time landing where they need to be. There needs to be the synchronicity within this. This is exactly what the Lord is saying with this. You know, keep, keep in mind, you guys, right? This is... It's not even the first 100 years 
And this church at Corinth has these gifts and they're using them dramatically out of order. And as a result, the church at Corinth are like, what, what is the spiritual gift doing for this church? Yes, they're all filled with the Holy Spirit. They're all speaking in tongues. They're all prophesying. Let's say all of it's 100% legitimate. This is the same church, right? They're sleeping with one another outside of marriage. They're suing one another, right? They're, they're arguing about, no, if you're a real Christian, then you only listen to Paul's teachings. No, if you're a real Christian, you only listen to Apollos. No, if you're a real Christian, you only listen uh, to Peter or Jesus. They're arguing uh, about sectarianism. They're, they're completely divided. The, the gifts, though they be present, aren't building this church up in Corinth. And Paul has to write to them and say, look, Let's get a handle on what's going on there. Let's make sure that what's going on. And here we are millennia later and the same stuff is going on in the church. This church, this, this letter was written to correct the church. Not because Paul is super mean ogre who just loves to kill the joy of Christians, right? Paul is literally trying to admonish them in, you know, there's a way to use this so that it benefits the church and makes them stronger, actually builds them up and accomplishes the work of the Lord. And it's not by everybody just bringing their uh, instrument to church. And, you know, when the worship team starts, everybody just starts blasting away. Right? Imagine. You know, next week, you don't have a clue about music, but you just show up with your harmonica, right? You know, and your tambourine and your kazoo and just, we just, it's like romper room. We just unleash. It, it doesn't focus the heart, right? The whole point of worship is supposed to be that that removes the, the sense of the earthly and brings you into the presence of the Lord. So that you're actually ready to receive God's word. That's the whole focus of what's being done. I mean, are we all, all aware that Jesus says repeatedly through his ministry, he starts right out, Book of Mark and, and others, where he says, I must go and preach because that's why I was sent. Preaching was the ministry of Jesus Christ. Not miracles. Not all of the other casting out demons. Those things happened also. He, he finishes up with the town and says, I got to go over to that next town. Why? Because I got to preach there. He literally says, I have to go and preach to them. And when he's done, I have to go and preach to them. And I have to go and preach to them. It's preaching the word of God. So whatever we're doing needs to draw the attention to the word of God so that people are ready and open to receive the word of God. So uh, moving on here, this uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? So uh, I guess I skipped four. If the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, verse eight, who will prepare for battle, right? The signals, even if it's just one or two notes that are going to be played, you know, if you're out on the battlefield, on your heavy horse in full armor, ready to charge the line, and you hear some weird trill on the trumpet that you don't, you know, like what? Well, like what was that? You know what I'm saying? I don't, I'm, I've not heard that signal before. 
I, I'm, is it lunch break? Is what are we doing? You know what I'm saying? It needs to. It needs to be that number one. Those that blast the trumpet know how to play, to to sit, sound the signal, right? You, you know, you don't just grab the next near, near warm body and hand him a trumpet and say, you look like you got lungs blowing this thing. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it isn't beneficial. And, and then uh, those that are receiving it have already heard and memorized and been trained. What is the signal? They know what the signal means so that they can follow it. They can obey it. So if it sounds an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? So likewise, you, unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. So, so um, this, this brings into that whole um, discussion about like speaking to God and not to men. Okay, and there are some who say, well, then when you speak in tongues, the message always has to be, uh, you know, some form of praise to God. Well, specifically what's going on is the church at Corinth, right? They're, they're experiencing the gifts of speaking in tongues. And when they speak, it's languages, right? It's not, it's not like a lot of what's described as tongues in the church today. They're speaking in languages, but they're not doing it in order. And we'll talk about he says, if you've read this and you know, one, perhaps two, but then only with interpretation. Okay, that's how it should be done. Uh, but, but they're speaking in tongues there at Corinth. Um, they're imitating what they saw, experienced, and heard of in at least four occasions, but particularly Acts chapter 2, where these people are gathered from all over the world and they speak in tongues and they hear them speaking in their own language. Well, now everyone who's present at Corinth they're all Corinthians, so they all speak Greek. So, so now you're speaking in foreign tongues, and I've got no idea what you're saying. So, so when you speak and there's no interpretation or no proper interpretation, then the only two people, people, the only two individuals that are understanding what you're saying are you and God. So the message might even be something for the church, but if it's not interpreted, then the only two people that are understanding are you and God. You're speaking to God. You, in fact, because you don't even understand, right? You're speaking in tongues. You don't, you don't even know what's being said. So really, the only person that's receiving the message is God. And, and Paul is saying it's supposed to build the church up. How, how in the world is this building the church up if, if no one understands what you're saying? It's, it's between you and God. And that's why he moves that over to take it home and pray. Pray pray in your closet between you and the Lord. And listen, I'll go through that illustration one more time. The thing the Lord revealed to me, and you guys, some of you are tired of hearing this illustration, and it's just my illustration. It's not here in the Bible, but this is how the Lord spoke to me. You know, The, the battle we're in, the, the biggest enemy you have is your flesh. Right, So the child of God, speaking in tongues, is communicating with headquarters. So now the battle that we're in, somehow the child of God is receiving, sending and receiving encrypted messages that the flesh doesn't have any part of. 
Okay, so, so the child of God is being built up within that setting, within your own prayer time. Within the congregation, unless there's proper interpretation, then there is no benefit to the body of Christ. All there is is that selfish, and I'll be blunt about that, that selfish self-recognition. Look, I can speak in tongues, and now everybody focuses on that. That one person. And you know what's disturbing to me about it that I have witnessed? Right. Um, I, I'm, I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. I didn't notice it tonight. Okay, but have you ever been in a crowd where somebody does have an especially beautiful voice and there's worship going on and that person just rises above everybody else in the room? They don't blend in and make the whole experience beautiful. They draw all attention to themselves. What a magnificent voice. What an amazing singer. Well, listen, if you launch people into the presence of the Lord, I guess I could say amen. But if all everybody walks out of the door saying, is that person sings beautifully, then they've drawn all the attention down to themselves. We were supposed to come here and recognize Jesus. And our hearts were supposed to be readied for the word of God. And our hearts were supposed to be readied for worshiping Jesus Christ and obedience to Jesus Christ. But all I can remember is that one voice. Yes, gifted by God. Yeah, yes, gifted by God. But there wasn't the building up of the whole congregation to worship Jesus Christ. We have to be very careful about our own motivations. Uh, it's interesting how these things sometimes lead us astray. So the child of God speaking in tongues alone in prayer, you know, the Lord is hearing, the Lord is building up the child of God, and the flesh is not involved. Uh, that, that has a, a fruitfulness. That is a gift that is beneficial to you as part of the body of Christ. But within the congregation, so likewise you also, unless you utter by the tongue words easily understood, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. There are, it may be, so many kinds of languages in the world, and none of them is without significance. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks, and he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. Even so you, since you are zealous for spiritual again, gifts is in italics, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. You know, sometimes that means you got to take the back seat. You want the church to excel, right? Okay, how total shift of subject, but it interlocks. Like the older we get, right, we realize how valuable time is. You know, you look back across the time with your kids and you think, man, wish I'd capitalized on every single second. You know, especially spiritually, I wish I'd capitalized on every single second. You look back across the investments you've made, the things you've, you know, it's remarkable. The psalm tells us specifically to, Lord, teach us to number our days. Oh, that actually gets kind of depressing. When the scripture tells you, that your days are marked out at 65 years. Like some of you in the room are like, hey, you know, right? 65 years, right? If by reason of strength they are extended to 80, 
years, they are with much labor. Right? You know, uh, so now take your what? What do you or where do you want to put it? 97, let's say. Multiply that by 365. Right? Now multiply however long you've lived by 365 and subtract that number from the total sum you got from 95. Like I'm pushing the outer limits here. And that's how many days you got left if you're going to live that long. Right? If, if you're going to fall at the mark of 65, 70, 75, 80, 85, any of those things, then that, that number just comes back towards you in a big hurry. And you're realizing, oh my gosh, I've got about 15 minutes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Realistically... Right? Because, you know, you got to calculate into this, you know, the number of hours you spend each year driving. That's that, you know, we think of it as, you know, without, without examining it, you're almost like, well, it's productive. I'm getting from here to there. No, it's completely unproductive. You're doing almost nothing in the car. I mean, maybe you're texting. But anyway, you know, just, you know, the, the idea, you guys, right, you know, there, there is almost two hours spent every day on average, right? Because some of you are thinking, yeah, my wife. No, you, you also average it out in the bathroom, combing your hair, brushing your teeth, taking care of all the other necessities, right? Two hours of your day. So you got to start subtracting these things. Usefulness, productivity. This, this here is calling us to, you know, I'm making the point because look, if you stand up in the middle of the congregational meeting and, and now you're speaking in tongues and it's not building up, how much time, you, you understand how valuable this time is to me? I come here and you guys want me to stop at the hour and a half mark. You know what I'm saying? Uh, just uh, you're really short-sighted. We never said when the meeting was going to stop. We only said when it was going to begin. Look at the bulletin. It's clearly stated. You know, so we'll be here till midnight. But anyway, uh, what we've done in about... 40 minutes. So if we're going to, right, utilize the time doing something that doesn't build the church up, right, I recognize my enemy's hand in that. Okay? You know, if we could spend every moment studying the word and looking at ways of application and you know, finding illustrations to, to dig deeper into this. If, if we can go through the Word of God this way, and, it, and, and then it produces fruit in your life. It actually takes root and changes your behavior and causes you to, to affect the world on behalf of Christ. Why would we want to waste one moment on someone else's self-indulgence? I can speak in tongues, and now everybody's distracted with, well, okay, let's let's spend five minutes paying attention to an interpretation. No, okay, well, thanks, you know. Uh, for what? And maybe even they were built up, but the congregational meeting, this is what Paul is saying, and this is why I'm saying that the distinctions of when you come together as the church, you need to consider how valuable the time you and your friend both speak in tongues and you think it's awesome and you like to experience it. Get together at home. Call other people over to be baptized in the spirit and to speak in tongues themselves. Also find ways. This is specifically what thousands of years ago, Paul was telling the church within the congregational meeting. These things shouldn't be happening. 
He very specifically says that by the time we're done reading this, if I ever get done reading this. So, so here, how are you going to know what's spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. There are, it may be, so many kinds of languages in the whole world, and none of them is without significance. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks, and he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. Um, Lori, can I give your experience at the Pastor's Wives Conference? So, yes, okay. Uh, um, so two things. Uh, we were just talking tonight about American Sign Language. Um, my daughters have all been uh, exposed to that a lot and learned a lot of it. Uh, I think you all know the alphabet very well. Um, and uh, so uh, a number of years ago, Lori was born in Alaska, and her mom took Lori and Abigail uh, back to Alaska, and they're in Alaska and um, there's a group of people speaking sign language. And Abigail uh, takes notice of that. They notice that she's noticed, and they end up having a conversation together. Okay? Uh, you know, hers is probably broken American sign language. Uh, but she's able to communicate. Okay? When you recognize someone speaks your language, then you pay attention to that. It draws your attention to it, which was what? The baptism of the Spirit was that first time in Acts chapter 2. These people all hear the, the sound of the mighty rushing wind. They go to see what that's all about. These guys are all speaking in foreign languages, and they notice that guy's speaking my language. And they can listen and hear each one of them, the glorious works of God being proclaimed. They ask, what is this? Then Peter gives the explanation as we're going to get to probably several weeks from now. But he then uh, explains uh, to them that this was to attract their attention to the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're all converted, 3,000. They go home and spread the gospel. And it's more precursory work because they just break the ground so that as the apostles and others arrive in their community, it's fertile and ready to receive the gospel. And they grow. They grow, right? So the usefulness in hearing and understanding the language. So today... Um, Calvary Chapel, uh, we embrace this concept, we teach this concept, uh, but we, we refer to it as afterglow meetings. We're never going to do this in a congreg congregational meeting like this. And, and uh, Paul specifically addresses why, because someone might be in here who doesn't understand or they're non-believer and they experience it and they leave saying you're out of your mind and then they don't want, to. it's the scripture. Right, saying you're crazy and I don't want anything to do with Christianity anymore based upon that. The selfishness, and, and forgive me for dwelling on that, the selfishness of self-indulging in that can drive people away from Christ. Okay? So Lori's at the, we, we call it afterglow because um, uh, Moses wanted to see the face of God. And the Lord said, I'm not going to happen. I'm going to place you. I'm paraphrasing. This is, uh, put, it, put you in the cleft of the rock, cover you with my hand, pass by. And when I remove my hand, you will see the residual effect of my having passed through your environment. Some people read King James say, saying the hinder parts and they think of it as the back of God. Okay, it's not. Okay, it, it's literally God just passed through this environment. Wow, look at the glory that happened, right? 32,000 feet, you see the airliner go overhead, and you just see the contrail behind that jet. You know, that's a poor illustration, but it's the idea of God just passed through this environment, and look 
at how magnificent this is environment this environment is just per her having his having passed through okay so so we have in certain settings what we call afterglow meetings where everyone who is present is either seeking the gift of the spirit or they have experienced it and they're going to utilize it for the benefit of the congregation so uh, at the pastor's conference and the pastor's wives conference they uh, do this almost every time that we're uh, together lori went to the east coast pastor's wives conference many years ago now and the lord had been speaking to her she'd been she'd received the gifts of tongues and she's praying about the gift of interpretation and um, the Lord had begun to speak to her from the scripture, and we've been studying together and pouring over, and she's coming to really understand what the Lord is saying to her. And she goes to that conference, and they have an afterglow service. And people are prophesying, and people are speaking in tongues, and they are sharing with one another and ministering, going over and praying, and people are praying for healing. And the work of the, and power of the Holy Spirit is happening. And a woman near Lori speaks in tongues, and in the midst of it, Lori's having this thought go through her head, and she realizes the Lord is telling her that what you're thinking right now is the interpretation of what's being said. And, and so Lori's blessed by that and takes out her notebook and like writes it down, and, and she's all blessed. And the Lord said, like, basically, I'm paraphrasing all of this also, like, good job. Now you got to share it with the whole room, right, which is like a thousand pastor's wives, right? Not not really anxious to speak in front of a thousand people. Uh, I don't know how it all went down. She described it. I would describe it as there's an argument between my wife and God uh, where she basically tells God, I'm not speaking. <laughs> and the Lord essentially says to her, um, like basically that's okay, I still love you, but you're going to miss out on an opportunity here because that was the Holy Spirit that was speaking in tongues and I am going to see that it is interpreted for this room. And a moment later, a woman across the auditorium stands up and says, I, I want to interpret the speaking in tongues that this woman just gave, but I need to be clear that I'm not doing it because of a gift of the Holy Spirit, I'm doing it because she spoke in my native tongue. She's a foreigner. She gives the interpretation, and it's what my wife wrote down on the notebook. The Holy Spirit still works. The gift of speaking in tongues is still for today. Prophecy has not been done away with. We are not cessationists. It's still for now, but they must be done in order for the benefit of the body of Christ, not the excitement of the individual, not the recognition of the individual, that the body of Christ would be built up and that we would be more effective as a whole working together. So all of these languages, they're not without meaning even so, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, and, and just so we're clear, 
each of these occasions that it says tongue, it's language. That's not my interpretation of it. That's what the Greek language is saying. Every person that speaks in a language, every person that speaks in a language, every person that speaks in a language. So we shouldn't think of it as just some babbling phrase. It is speaking in a language. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the spirit. And I will also pray with understanding. I will sing with the Spirit. I will also sing with understanding. And, uh, you know, not a lot of the church has done that historically, singing in tongues, right? But once again, even singing in tongues must be with interpretation. One or two singing in tongues with interpretation that the body would be built up, and it should not be done amongst the unbelievers. The same as speaking in tongues should not be done amongst the unbelievers, right? You say, well, okay, wait a minute. You know, the apostles spoke amongst the unbelievers, right? They were all believers in Yahweh. They had come to Jerusalem to worship him. Their hearts were ready to receive the message that was preached to them through the tongues. How do we know that? They surrendered to Christ and became believers. 3,000 of them that day. If we just start speaking in tongues on the street corner, it's going to drive people away from Christ. You're just speaking in tongues and handing out cards. Please come to church. And you just keep speaking in tongues. And here's an invitation, please. Every Sunday we're there and you're speaking in tongues. People are going to call you in. You know what I'm saying? So what happens if you record an album and you're singing in tongues and then you distribute it to the whole world? We might want to ask Kim Walker why she did that from Jesus Culture, Hillsong, and others. Singing in tongues, recording it and distributing it to the world. This says don't do that. And now we're seeing a number of things that are clearly defined in the scripture as the Lord saying in the body of Christ, these things should not be done. And they're going on in those circles. It's unfortunate. It isn't just me tearing it apart. Here's the thing, you guys. These things can lead us astray, right? We hear wonderful things. We go, oh, I really like that. And then you find out, well, there's other junk they're doing that's really terrible. That's completely disobedient to the Lord. How heartbreaking is that? You know, I, I don't mean to just, you know, Paul specifically, people, I do this, right? I mention the names of certain ministries and people are like, yeah, you're not, just stop, you know, not supposed to do that. Paul always mentions the false teachers by name and says, stay away from these people to the body of Christ, right? Those who had previously ministered to, you know, to and with him, who he had written down, Demetrius, such wonderful attributes, and then, you know, given over completely having loved the world. Don't follow Demetrius. He specifically names him there. You know, Brian Houston, head of Hillsong, has been arrested by the Australian government and has been fired from Hillsong. Because in the 80s, his father was molesting boys. 
ahead of the Assemblies of God. They knew about it, Assemblies of God and Hillsong, and they covered it up. By Australian law, if you know that a child has been molested, and they removed statute of limitations long ago, Australia, if you know someone was molested when they were a child, you are responsible for reporting it. And if you do not, you will be arrested, prosecuted, and put in prison. Okay? He, he paid, Brian paid a man $10,000 from Hillsong for his silence about how his father molested him when his father was in his 40s, starting Hillsong, his father was molesting this man when he was eight years old. Brian knew about it. And while they were forming Hillsong, they covered it up and refused to report it. He's been arrested for failure to report. He's being prosecuted right now. You guys, the things that the scripture says that, that do not do these things. When you see someone who's willfully disobeying, it says it specifically, don't do this. And they're willfully doing it. That, that should cause you to back away and say, there it is, defined in the scripture. You know, am I going to judge them? No, absolutely not. You know, the Lord will judge them. And we pray for them. You know, uh, you guys, 10% of those who have been molested report their molestation. 10%. Eight have come forward. So who knows where the real number is? Right? Looking right at the word of God and disobeying it. Impressed with this element over here. When you see this element over here, you got to go, I'm going to back away from that. You know, Michael the archangel doesn't bring a reviling accusation against uh, Satan, but says to Satan, the Lord will rebuke you. And the Lord is going to deal with those people, and I pray he deals with them very graciously, and they learn what they need to. So within this whole thing, it needs to be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion? I will pray with the spirit. I will also pray with understanding. I will sing with the spirit. I will also sing with understanding. Otherwise, if you bless with the spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen at your giving of thanks? Since he does not understand what you say. For you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not edified. I thank my God, I speak with tongues more than you all. Yet in church, I would rather speak five words with understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. Right? If I, if I only spoke for five minutes here in, in you know, a way that you could understand, if I had condensed as much of this as I could down to five minutes and I speak for five minutes, and you understand. But then I, the rest of the time, I consume by speaking in tongues. As much as you might sit there and say amen and be emotionally blessed, in the end, 
The only thing you've been edified by is whatever I spoke to you that you could understand. It's important that we understand what the Lord is saying here. Okay, so we're going longer. Brethren, do not be children and understanding. However, in malice, be babes. Be babes, but in understanding, be mature. In the law, it is written, when men of other tongues and other lips, I will speak to, uh, with men of other tongues and other lips, I will speak to this people. And yet, for all of that, they will not hear me, says the Lord. Therefore, tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to the unbelievers. But prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. Think about how backwards the church has this. Right? Go out, stand on the street corner with a placard, and yell at the crowd, you're all going to hell. <laughs> You're predicting their future. You're prophesying by saying that. How much is that blessing them? You know? Speaking to the world, the prophecy, the tongues goes on within the church. And it doesn't convert them. Doesn't build them up. Doesn't edify them. Why? Because tongues was designed so that you speak in a foreign language and the foreigner who knows that language hears it and is converted. We, we are still having occasions happen where missionaries speak to people in India and the people of India hear in their native tongue. Still goes on. The Lord speaks through his church. Therefore, tongues are for a sign, not for those who believe, but to unbelievers. Prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. Therefore, if the whole church, and here the, you, now you hear the assembly, comes together in one place, and all speak with tongues, and there comes in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say that you're out of your mind? But if all prophesy, and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all he is convicted by all and thus the secrets of his heart are revealed and so falling down in, on his face he will worship god and report that god is truly among you so we had afterglow services here a number of years ago just more to teach people about one what does the scripture teach two what is the experience like and we made sure that those who came came with the understanding that this is what's going to take place at this distinct separate meeting. Um, and I know Rob uh, Power would not be offended by my sharing this, but he was just coming to the Lord at the time. And he came in willfully wanting to know and experience these things. And the Lord moved very powerfully that night as we ministered to one another and shared the gift of the Holy Spirit. Rob, in the midst of it, stood bolt upright and went right out the door. Okay, He had wanted to be here. I explained all of this to him before him. He came, and I thought, I bet he's being deeply convicted. And he came to me afterwards, and then he came to the next church service, the next afterglow service, and he explained that what was going on was the people in the room were speaking things that were straight out of his life. 
conversations that he had had on his way here to the church, specific things that he was being blessed with, specific things that he was struggling immensely with. The Lord was speaking to Rob very, very powerfully, and he couldn't take it because he was convinced that any at any moment someone was just going to lay his whole soul out before this church to see. That they were going to stand up and say, you, and these are your sins. <laughs> he was like, I got to go. Can't stay. Right? And, and he came back, made the confession to me first. And he specifically gave me, you're saying things that I was saying moments before. You're talking. And then so-and-so was sharing. And that's the passage I was in. And he was new to that experience. And, and it floored him, you know. Completely surrendered to the Lord presently. Yeah, he is. So, you know, he's, the Lord's working in his life. He's got a, a road to go, but he has surrendered to it. Yeah. You know, they come in here falling down on their face. We'll worship God and report that God is truly among you. That's what he was saying. How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a song, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification, teaching, explaining, building up. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or at the most three, each in turn. That's literally, if you're going to have an afterglow service, it should be one person speaks in a tongue. And then when they're done, someone else speaks in a tongue. And at the most, then someone else speaks in a tongue. One or two, perhaps three. How is it that when you guys come together, everybody's just doing this all at the same time? Melee. Why are you doing that, Paul is saying? How does this serve the body of Christ? Th think about, like many of us have come from these circles and these experiences, and here it is recorded right in the scripture of what, why are you doing that? And he's specifically saying you should not be doing that. But if there is no interpretation, let him keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and God. Listen, tongues, you're going to speak. It needs to be that one would speak in order. And here's how that whole Greek language speaks out. Then there should immediately be interpretation. If there's no interpretation in that congregation, then no one else should speak. Everyone can glorify the Lord over the fact that someone spoke in tongues. They're filled with the Spirit and they spoke in tongues. But no one should speak after that. And here's the thing. The way it's written, if you come together again to experience this, unless someone says, I have received the gift of interpretation since I was here last, then no one should speak in tongues at that next meeting either. That's literally what that's saying. The only way tongues should be used in your congregational meetings is if one person speaks and then there's interpretation. And then one more person speaks and then there's interpretation. And at a maximum, according to the Apostle Paul, the Word of God, there could be a third, but then with interpretation. If the first person speaks and there's no interpretation, then you need to shut that off. That means there's going to have to be someone in charge of the meeting that says, this is the way it's going to happen. Thank you for sharing, but there's no interpretation, so I'm going to ask that no one else speak in tongues this evening. That's how that has to go. 
the church is completely disobedient to the word of God, word of God in this regard. It's unfortunate. Are all of these people filled with the Holy Spirit? I think so. I think there are some fakers amongst them. I really do. I've sat and listened to it, and I thought that that is not rapid. That's not. They just they've they've got a coin phrase, and they're just saying it over and over and over and over and over. Right? Didn't Jesus tell us not to pray with vain repetition? How unfortunate that the church doesn't follow what is being taught here. So let two or three prophets speak. Two or three, only two or three, speak. And let the others judge. Here's the thing, you guys. Meaning... There will, if you got two or three prophets that can speak in your midst and prophesy on behalf of the Lord, you're going to have others there who can prophesy. And the other prophets need to judge whether what was just said is of the Lord or not. You don't get to just say, and he clarifies this in the next verse, you don't just get to say, hey, I, don't, don't be mad at me. That's what the Lord told me to say. If it's wrong, then the Lord didn't tell you to say it. Okay? You know, minister years ago, saying to his congregation locally, thus saith the Lord. Look, anytime you say that, that's dangerous business. Deuteronomy, anyone comes to the nation of Israel and speaks on behalf of the Lord and then it doesn't come true, the Lord says, take them outside the city and stone them to death. Wow, I guess we're never going to hear another sermon from that guy. Right? God has no tolerance. Right? He hangs all of his authority on prophecy. Uh, Isaiah 41, 21. Right? Calls the nation of Israel and says, Bring forth your strong reason. Tell us about the things that will happen. Ask, inquire of your gods. And see if they can tell you about the future. Prophecy belongs to God alone. And he gives it to men to, and women to, to edify, to build up the church. Right? If you're saying, hey, I got God's credentials right here, and then thus say the Lord, and then it doesn't happen. Right? Local minister saying, thus saith the Lord, if this church will double her tithe in two years, she'll have her new building. Didn't happen. It was almost five years before they broke ground on their building. They didn't tell their congregation that when they broke ground to build it, it was one-fourth the size of the original blueprints. You know. And now it's not being used for the Lord at all. It's being used by complete heathens. That church is disbanded. It is gone. Thus saith the Lord. That is, that is a very serious thing to speak on behalf of God. Let the others judge. But if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent. Meaning, somebody says, thus saith the Lord. Right? And Paul addresses the fact that some would say Jesus was accursed. Remember that? And they would try to attribute that to the Holy Spirit. Thus saith the Lord. Jesus is accursed. The other sitting by would say, you're not speaking on behalf of the Holy Spirit. Shut your mouth. You're, you're supposed to judge what has been said and prophesied. 
And then that person needs to keep silent. Do not try to argue. If you've been corrected in the congregational meeting by another prophet in the congregational meeting, then keep your mouth shut, not just in this service from now on. You're welcome to attend here and learn and experience the presence of the Holy Spirit is what Paul is saying. But don't come in here with that junk. Don't come in like, oh, well, I screwed up bad last week. I was a little off the mark. I've dialed it in, though. Now, let me prophesy this time. No. No, you've proven to us that you don't speak on behalf of God. So you can sit here and you can learn. You can experience what the Lord is doing. Hear it again. Let two or three prophets speak. Let the others judge. But if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent. For you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophet is subject to the prophet. The spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. That literally means in all of these spiritual gift cases, you can't ever blame God for speaking out. I couldn't help it. God overpowered me and I just started speaking in tongues. I couldn't help it. God overpowered me and I just started prophesying in the midst. This is literally saying one at a time, in order, what you say must be biblical. We are going to judge whether what you say is of the Holy Spirit. If it is not, you will keep silent. You're not going to disrupt the congregational meeting of the body of Christ because your spirit is subject to your own person. That whole attitude of, I can't, I can't help it. Spirit comes upon me and I just speak out. That's not what that just said. This passage right here says you can control your spirit. How about this, you guys? We love to talk about the gifts of the spirit, right? How about the fruit of the spirit? And the fruit of the spirit is, right? Lots of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control. I couldn't control it. Well, maybe you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're filled with the Spirit. Maybe you poured your Spirit into a cup and you drank your Spirit and now you're running your mouth. Or maybe you're just full of your own Spirit, which is dead without Christ. Or maybe it's even a demonic Spirit, right? And that's why Paul lists those that have the discerning of spirits. It's commonly misinterpreted as, I have the gift of discernment. No, you're just experienced. You've been through things. You're street smart, is what we say. Right? You've got a highly sensitive baloney meter, and we appreciate that. And that's good, and it's from God. That's wonderful. And they're really expensive. Baloney meters? No? You don't... The classes you have to take in the school of hard knocks to acquire a baloney meter, a highly sensitive, accurate one, very expensive. Very, those classes are very expensive, very costly. They'll let you pay in all kinds of different ways, but it's very costly. It's still not the gift of the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit of discerning spirits is that very thing to say. That is of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for sharing that. I think that's of your spirit. Maybe you shouldn't share again. I think that what you just said is demonic. You should never speak here again. 
discerning the spirit by which you speak. So within this setting, are you hearing even more clarification of what Paul is saying? And yet it goes on in the church. Right? And what, what really bugs me is they're blaming our God for it all the time. Go now, but Holy Spirit told me to say that. I don't think so. I don't think the Holy Spirit did tell you to say that. I think that you wanted to be recognized as deeply spiritual, and so you started running your mouth. The spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. And here's the punchline. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Wherever there are real saints, it's going to be a peaceful meeting of edification where you are built up and lifted up and encouraged and cheered up. That's what's going to happen, right? You might walk in the door, sinful as could be, get all broken down through the process and then be reassembled and put back together in a godly fashion so you can walk out the door with a calm, peaceful sense of that is exactly what the Lord wanted me to experience tonight. The Holy Spirit at work in our midst rather than fanaticism. I have one copy of a book out front written by Chuck Smith called Charisma versus Charismania. Okay? Charisma, the gift of love, the gift of charis, the Holy Spirit. We, we want to be, we are charismatic. We are Pentecostal. We are not charismaniacs all things are done decently and in order for god is not the author of confusion but of peace as in all the churches let your women keep silent in the churches and we'll just brush past that so uh, for they are not permitted to speak but they are to be submissive as the law also says and if they want to learn something let them ask their own husbands at home for it is shameful for women to speak in church. Now, listen, before you beat me up, I didn't write this, number one. And number two, we have to understand the setting, right? <clears throat> all things are already out of order in these churches. And in this church, the nonsense that's going on, all the women sit on one side of the church and all the men sit on the other side of the church. So now the nonsense is going on, right? I'll use my grandparents' names. Gladys is sitting on this side of the church, experiencing the nonsense, thinking, what in the world is going on? So she shouts across in the midst of tongues and prophecy and all the nonsense to Ralph on the other side. Ralph, what is going on? What is this guy saying? Is this right? Let the women keep silent in the church. And if they have questions, let them ask at home from their own husbands. Right? Protecting the unity of the marriage so that the authorities within the church aren't overriding husbands. Right? Husbands are allowed to be the spiritual head of their own homes and they're allowed to decide. Right? Separate from the leadership of the church. The husband is allowed to decide how he understands the word of God and how he applies it within his home. And then that doesn't add to the chaos. Ladies, if you got questions, ask, you know, 
outside the congregational meeting. No need to be, what What in the world are you saying? You know, it's happened. You know, and it does happen in settings. I think the place that, you know, the congregational meeting is most disruption, most disrupted in this regard is here's the pastor speaking. He's worked all week developing a sermon and he's come to deliver it and he's just about to reach the climatic point and now somebody's going to speak in tongues. Listen, would the Holy Spirit, would the Holy Spirit interrupt the Holy Spirit? I mean, it's a legitimate question. If you've said, we've asked this man to be our pastor, and he's filled with the Holy Spirit, and he's designed by God to deliver this message to us, but now the Holy Spirit in me is going to interrupt the Holy Spirit in him. Is the Holy Spirit schizophrenic? Like, you know, you know, I'm talking here. No, I'm talking here. You know, you be quiet. No, you be quiet. You know, it just, it gets, you've seen people like that on the street, and you gather the kids up and put them in the van and get away as quick as you can. A schism, right? Split of mind, right? We use the term still to this day. That guy's beside himself. It literally came from the old world when crazy people were talking to nobody that was there. They were talking to someone that was beside themselves. Look at that guy. He's beside himself. Walking down the street, you leave me alone. No, you leave me alone. You know, I was talking. Yeah, I was talking. You know, does does the Holy Spirit, right? De- demonic activity does generate that type of behavior in human beings. I'm not saying that what's going on in the church is necessarily demonic, but what I'm saying is, why would we emulate that which comes from the devil? Right? It's supposed to be done decently in order as we're building our way to. So, or did the word of God come originally from you? <laughs> Listen, you got to understand how, how much a slap in the face this is. Paul delivers the gospel to them, converts them to Christianity, teaches them. They're being trained up, and now they're doing all this nonsense. And then Paul says, so here's all of my correction to you. It's pointed. It's hard. Eat it. Eat the whole thing. Digest it. Make it part of yourself. Or are you guys in charge of the church? Did you, guys, did you guys convert me or did, did I convert you? That's literally what he's saying. Who's your teacher? You, yourselves, your congregation, or is it me? Or is it the word of God? It must be that we are in submission to the word of God. That's where we find our fruitfulness. Look, when we look around right now and we see the chaos that is going through the church and the dwindling numbers, the biggest reason that it's happening is because the church has literally, as the prophet said, read the word of God and then thrown it over their shoulder. Looked right at it, read it for themselves and said, nah, whatever. Doesn't really matter. This is what we do here. Oh, so so you are an apostle. Yeah, in fact, they've done that, haven't they? Kansas City prophets. I'm an apostle. And everybody should bow to me. And polish my shoes. And wash my car. I'm not exaggerating. This is the way they behave. You know. They literally arrive and act like, I'm not staying in this hotel. you got to put me somewhere else. It's outrageous. Why? Because I'm an apostle. I, I am elevated above you all. That's scary, right? When, when Jesus is telling Peter, who is telling those who learn from him, do not lord over those that you lead. Lead by example. 
That means you as the pastor should be scrubbing the toilet. You as the pastor should be emptying the trash. You as the pastor should be working for the congregation, ministering to the flock, ministering to the sheep, caring for them. By example, lead the flock. Or did the word of God come originally from you? Or was it you only that it reached? If anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things which I write to you are the commandments of the Lord. Think about, you know, you could take that as arrogant, right? Paul's is saying, so if there are prophets among you who are deeply spiritual people, they'll agree with everything I just said. <laughs> so everybody who's a prophet in the church who's been speaking out of turn and doing all the nonsense, what, they're now going to go, no, and, and disobey? That's going to be a clear sign to everybody. Uh, we just got that letter from Paul. But I don't agree with it. Well, then get out is literally what Paul just said. If they're not in full agreement with what I'm saying, then they shouldn't be prophets leading the church. Let him acknowledge that the things which I write to you are the commandments of the Lord. But if anyone is ignorant, let him be ignorant. And listen, it's different than what you think, right? Because ignorant in our culture has that idea of they just didn't know. Right? Look at the word in your Bible. The root word is ignore. Right? I hear I've written it right out, plain black and white. I put it in a letter and I sent it right to you. Now that you've received it, if they're going to be ignorant, then let them be ignorant. Meaning, you shouldn't be. If you can recognize in someone else that there it is written point blank, and man, it's, it's hard to take sometimes, is it not? It's so corrective, the Word of God. It doesn't consider my feelings at all. You know? Breaks my tor poor, tender heart. Destroys the very last feeling that I had, you know? I just, and it doesn't care. Why? Because it's building me up. It tears things down. You know, years ago, I uh, never hung drywall before and was asked to volunteer and help this Christian ministry ha hang drywall. Awesome. Being arrogant, I, I still wrestle with it. Pray for me. I know you don't, and that's awesome. But uh, I, I showed up super early to outshine everyone else, right? And I hung a ton of drywall. Me and my screw gun, man, my razor knife, we hung drywall. And God bless the contractor. He showed up and was literally like, oh, wow. <laughs> and he went and showed me how to dry, hang drywall in another room. And I started doing it that way. And I came back like 20 minutes later, and he had taken down most of what I had done. All of my seams were vertical. None of them were horizontal. You know, and I'm like, what's your issue? And he's like, well, I'll show you later. And how I need to spread mud, and if I've got to do it this way, this is going to double the time that I have to do this. You know. It was really unfriendly of him to correct me so sternly. 
and to tear down all the work that I had done. But it was for the greater good of everything that was being done there in that building, including stupid things like, you know, building code and, you know, <laughs> things I don't care about. You know. The Lord does address these things. It's very, very difficult at times to take. Let him acknowledge the things I write to you are commandments of the Lord. But if anyone is ignorant, let him be ignorant. Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak with tongues. Now, that, that's important. Important, right? Because you can go through all of this experience and then a whole bunch of Christianity says, yeah, that's right, man. This is a mess. So no one should prophesy. And no one should speak in tongues. He specifically said, do not forbid it. Even though these things are being done out of order, don't forbid these things to be done. It's, it's really unfortunate that because of the abuse and the misuse, the church, a large portion of the church has abandoned the use of these things. They're very beneficial to the body when they're used properly. And then, of course, this last statement, let all things be done decently and in order. Let all things be done decently and in order. That, that literally has the root word, identity and understanding of they should be done with dignity. It's, it's very undignified. To roll around on the floor and bark and howl like dogs. I, I've been in those meetings. You know. I've been in the meetings where people are laying under the pews and grabbing people's shoelaces from behind and, and screaming as they yank their feet up and down. Dance, dance in the spirit, dance in the Lord. I was at a meeting where it was open worship and big church. This group over here starts singing a melody. Band, flexible enough, they join in. They're playing. Everybody builds up and we all sing the song. And it sort of slows down and calms down and the band continues to play. And everybody's saying, and then this person over here, and the song builds, and everybody, and then the band leader builds, and song calms down, and, and then suddenly that's happening again, and the whole room realizes, and we'll be coming around the mountain when she comes. She'll be coming around the mountain when she comes, and everybody dies off because that's not a hymn, that's not a song, that's not, we're not worshiping. We're in public school seventh grade chorus again, and somebody just broke into song. You know, maybe lighthearted might be good. You know, like that which is spiritual is spiritual. That which is not spiritual is not spiritual. You know, I, I just astonished to hear worship leaders yell the phrase, "Get on your boogie board and ride." What? I didn't even know we had boogie boards. I didn't know. Well, what? How are we riding boogie boards? What? What? I mean, don't we at least have to have water? What? What are we doing? 
when when no one's in control, who's in control? When the scripture tells us God is not the author of confusion, that leads us to say, well, then who is the author of confusion? Okay, at best, it's us. Right? I've witnessed, I had teenage girls. I saw the chaos and the confusion swell. You let them stay up till 2 o'clock in the morning with caffeine? Wow, it gets weird. It gets weird. Just run by emotions. Just out of control. We can get out of control. Uh, you know, uh, even darker, uh, it could be demonic forces. When you just, well, look, when you just take your hands off the wheel and say, wherever this meeting goes, so be it. That's really, that's not our God. That's not our God. Think, think you guys, about how, how many times have we talked about the scientific exploration of God's creation, the human eye, the ear, the, the universe, the solar system, all the different things, right? The profound order, working in unison, a chorus of melody, so magnificent. That's God. That's God. That's the Holy Spirit. When you walk through the door and you're bummed out and you're dragging your knuckles and somebody recognizes and hears from the Lord and comes over and says, hey, I just wanted to share this verse with you. That's prophecy. That's prophecy. Hearing what the Lord wants said to that individual and sharing it with them, that's prophecy. And it has a deep impact on the hearts. I've had it happen to me many times. You know, Jim Lord, you know, many of you guys know Jim Lord. Jim Lord, through my younger years of ministry, called me up, I'll say, at least three times. It might have been many more than that. At least three times. Hey, the Lord just laid this on my heart, told me to call you. I just wanted to share these verses. And, like, it just blew my world up. I, I was right in that moment. And Jim, like, delivers the verses that completely interlock with what I'm doing. Such a blessing. To have somebody filled with the Holy Spirit, who's hearing the Holy Spirit, who's obeying the Holy Spirit. You know, I desire that you would all, more than anything, I would desire that you would all prophesy. Right? Speak on behalf of the Lord. I, I, I know we're late, you guys, but we, we had communion also. Can I have a break? Okay. So um, follow this, okay? In this setting of prophecy, two parts, right? Again, just for further explanation so nobody goes off and does weird things. Uh, forth telling and foretelling. Okay? So, forth telling. Speaking forth on behalf of God. What I just described to you is one of the easiest ways to do it. Pay attention to the Holy Spirit. Listen to the Holy Spirit. See from the Word of God. Deliver the message. Speak forth on behalf of God. Right, And that might be not necessarily out of the scripture, just something where you go to somebody and say, hey, you know, this thing you've been considering doing for the Lord, you should pursue that, you know, and, and it strengthens them to follow and obey the Lord and, and what's going on. Speaking forth, foretelling, telling before it happens. That's much more rare. And there are people that just love to do that willy nilly, you know. Thus saith the Lord, this time next year, and this time next year comes and goes, and nothing happens, and everybody just sort of goes, moving on, you know. Just 
And the next time it happens, and the next time it happens, and the next time it happens. It's treacherous. It's treacherous. It is so deeply meaningful when someone comes and speaks forth on behalf of God. Right? Jesus prophesied so much. A specific example, him saying, when you see all these things happening, flee out of Israel. Flee out of Jerusalem, particularly. Right? You may not be aware that historically the Christians were going, wait a minute, the Roman army, and we're being surrounded, and this is everything Jesus told us. And in the middle of the night, they packed all their stuff, they crossed the Jordan River, and they left. Not one Christian died in the sacking of Jerusalem. Millions of Jews died. Not one Christian perished. Why? Because they remembered Jesus foretelling what was going to happen, and then they obeyed what he said. If someone foretells and it doesn't take place, you need to pack your junk and go someplace else. Immediately. Why? Because it's a false prophet. It's a false teacher. You don't want to stay under that leadership. They're very, very treacherous. So, um, next week, um, I'll try to get us back to Acts chapter 2. Is that enough? Have I kept you here? We can stay till midnight. Eutychus can fall out the window. It'll be great. Let's pray. And uh, then we'll fellowship. And if you have questions, if you want to stay right here and, um, you know, uh, talk about these things. uh, But some of you guys have jobs. So, Father, I thank you very much for your word and the way. Lord, I thank you for the way it corrects us. I pray that we would be men and women that were submitted to you. That we were obedient to you. Accomplish what you want to in each one of us, Lord. We are desperately in need. We, we desire the gift of the Spirit. We desire the spirituals, the spiritual gifts. Lord, but boy, we want to do them according to your will. We don't want to be presumptuous. We certainly don't want to do anything wrong, disobedient, or harmful with them. Guide us as your children. Lord, help us to minister to the sick and the dying world that is all around us, that they would be brought into your presence and experience your will in their lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.